So we're talking about, we've been talking about angels and demons the last couple weeks, so we're getting into the area of demons. And so I wanted to look at a couple of scriptures just kind of to set up kind of our perspective or a grid a little bit. So if you guys, you might know this, you want to turn to Genesis 50. Right? And just my goal kind of at the beginning is to remember that, right, God is over and in control of all of creation. And so that includes man. It also includes um, all of his angels. It includes Satan. It includes the demons. And so Genesis 50, we're looking at Joseph uh, talking to his brothers. And in verse 20... He says, or in verse 19, he says, Do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. And so, in that case, we're talking about Joseph's brothers, but sometimes they mean evil, right? But God means it for good. And so... It may be a mystery in terms of how the same action, God can be in control of that, causing it for good, while the sinful, wicked men, or today when we talk about demons, they can mean that action for great evil. But those two things don't exclude one another. Okay? Um, if you want to turn to Acts as well, it's like the same, kind of the same thing in the New Testament. So Acts 2. So this is Peter um, at Pentecost. Two twenty-three. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by. Right. So, in the same same sense, in the New Testament, we see uh, the wickedness of man crucifying Jesus, but it was part of God's plan, His ordained purpose plan. Okay. So. Just as we get going, is, do you guys have any kind of questions about how both of those, right, both of those can be happening at the same time? God can plan, control, create, and cause it for good, while at the same time it involves the work of wicked men, or even Satan, or demons. Can you think of other times in Scripture, I guess is another question I have. Other times in Scripture where God is at work in a way, but we also see either wicked men or Satan or demons seeking out to accomplish evil. The book of Habakkuk, where God uses the, the country to punish Israel, and like, how can you do that? And then he says, well, I'll punish them too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so in executing judgment, he uses wicked nations to punish other nations. That's a good example. Jesus' death. What's that? Jesus' death. Yeah, Jesus' death, right? You can Almost everything we talk about, we can see an example of it in Jesus' death. So the wickedness of men. And What about, we're going to move into talking about Satan and demons. Any, any, and and I, I listened to a good, um, David Pallison did a series on Satan and demons. Um, 
I would recommend it was good. He talked about how the primary actors are God and man, and that's the primary story. And but every once in a while, you get a little bit of a glimpse into angels and demons. And so I think that's one thing, just in perspective, as we read through the scriptures, just to remember that as we study angels and demons, they're not the primary actors, not the primary um, characters in the story. The story is about God and about his greatness being displayed and how he redeems man. So can you think of any actions where we have Satan and demons uh, acting out for evil, but God is involved in that? Jesus' ministry, any time that he called a demon out of a person and the demon recognized him right away, mm-hmm. showed his authority over that realm and also the fact that they, or that he, that they knew who he was also showed Christ's true identity. Yeah, you see that, you see a definite acknowledgement by all of the, the demons or the evil spirits of who Jesus is and who Jesus was. The book of Job. Yeah, yeah. So the book of Job's a great example. Uh, let's flip just to the beginning of that book. And we'll get a little, little Old Testament insight in this. Get us, we get uh, a description of Job through the first part of chapter 1 all the way through. And then, let's see. In chapter 2, we start here. So again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And so sons of God here is referring to um, could be, it's a phrase that's used for both angels and demons here. So sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them to present himself before the Lord. I thought it was interesting that was pointed out at, um, by Pallison that he's trying to make this case that, um, that Satan and the, the demons, it's not this worldview where there's two competing powers trying to see, right? Satan and the demons are all still created servant creatures to God, acting in submission to only his control. And it's the Lord that speaks first. Satan doesn't speak first. The Lord is the one who takes the first word here. He says, The Lord said to Satan, From where have you come? Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth and walking up and down on it. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there's none like him on the earth? a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away evil. He still holds fast his integrity, although you incited me against him to destroy him without reason. And so we see that in the first chapter as well. So um, back in chapter 1, verse 6, right? The Lord does Satan, from where have you come? From going to and fro on the earth and walking down and down on So the Lord is like inviting or asking Satan, right, have you looked at Job? So he's almost initiating, in a sense, this dealing with Job that's going on. Any other places we see? Well, 
little bit more isolated in an event, but there was a confrontation between Michael and Satan over the body of Moses and yeah. the rebuke of Michael mm-hmm. to Satan. Mm-hmm. Satan sought to take Moses and use it for evil purposes. Yeah. 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 So let's let's go to page six in your handout. So we want to just highlight a couple things. So Satan and the demons. We want to point out a couple things about the way in which they operate, and that is that one of the first things that we're talking about that we see in Job is that Satan was they're accountable to God, okay? just as all creation is. And so that that can kind of clarify there isn't any there's never any action by Satan or the demons that God did not was not aware of or that he did not allow for them to do intentionally in, in full knowledge. There's never any times where God is, you know, what am I going to do? Um, we can see that in, in Job 1 6 and 2 1, right? Chris, you want to read those again for us there in the handout? <clears throat> Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them to present himself before the Lord. Yeah. So the Lord is there, and they have to present themselves. They have to make account before him. And even the Lord, you know, questions him. Where have you been? What have you been doing? He has to account going to and fro on the earth. And so that accountability comes with certain restrictions, right? So we see in the New Testament, right? They are restricted by God. And you can kind of see this, um, there's some similarities in the same way that when we talk about the depravity of man, right? That man is depraved, that he is cursed by sin in every area. It doesn't mean that we are all as evil as we could possibly be. Right, there's a lot of restraint by God's grace to restrain both all, all the unbelieving world that they don't do all of the evil that they could. They're not as evil as they could possibly be. So we see there's a restraint on Satan. Let's look at Luke 22:31. Keith, you want to read that one? Simeon, Simeon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And you, when once you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Yeah. So Satan is is asking permission, right? Asking permission. Uh, without that permission, he know, right? He's not able to do um, the evil that he desires. And then this one sometimes causes us to to maybe question a little bit. But Satan is used by God. So let's look at Second Corinthians twelve. Cole, you want to get that one? Second Corinthians twelve seven. And because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to fame, to keep me from exalting myself. Yeah, so they are accountable, they are restrained, restricted, and they are used. So even here in Paul's life, he's talking about that messenger um, of sin. And what what was the what was the accomplished to keep me from? So that's almost a sense of humility, a sense of keeping him from pride. So there's there are some more. Can you guys think of other examples where 
God used Satan specifically, or used a, a demon, or used an evil spirit to mm-hmm. bring glory to himself or to accomplish his purpose. The temptation of Jesus. Temptations of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. I think the scene uh, where the sons was it the sons of Caiaphas or I, I don't know who it was exactly, but the sons of a priest. Skiva. Or the sons of Skiva. Yes, thank you. Uh, were were trying to cast out a demon, and they tried to use God and Paul's, you know, Jesus and Paul's names in vain. Um, well, Jesus' name in vain, and they also tried to use Paul's name as right. a little added bonus. Yeah. Um, and the demon said, you know, I know Paul and I know Jesus, but yeah. I don't know who are you. Who are you? Yeah. Didn't work out um, well for them. And so, I mean, he did four blacks to them. Mm-hmm. But, you know, which I won't celebrate that, but mm-hmm. I will celebrate that even demons know... They know of Jesus. They, they bring the They know of Jesus and they... And <clears throat> they... I don't know if... There's like this special aspect where where it was, I don't know if I could say almost funny, like, t- I don't, don't want to say almost funny the demon, but it was like, the, the aspect just of, of who, who are you? Like, I don't know <laughs> the you. Mocking. Like, like the, the mocking of, of taking Jesus in vain, you know, taking Jesus' name in vain, mm-hmm. of trying to use him, mm-hmm. and I think that, that you know, I right. don't want to say any, anything heretical. So ironic, I don't, it was ironic. Hmm. I don't know if it, that's ironic. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. What? Any others you guys think of? Examples? Yeah. Uh, in the book of Acts, uh-huh. when uh, Paul and Silas cast out the demon, Acts 16, when they cast out the demon from the girl, and then they were arrested, and then the jailer was converted, um, his family, they were probably some of the first people in the church at Philippi. Yeah, so there was a slave girl that was like fortune-telling, right? And so then she right, cast out the demon. And then it resulted in jail, right? It's this long progression of things, right? And you see, um, so the jailer was saved. Salvation, right? So there's a way in which um, you're kind of tracing out that was a part of God working out his plan in their life. Yeah. I think 1 Corinthians 5 5, where he tells um, the church to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. Mm-hmm. So that a spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. So you allow someone to feel the full weight of their sin. So they get sick of it and turn away from it. Yeah. Yeah. The fall. The fall? Yeah, yeah just the, fall. the very the beginning. And then the cross also in his in his um, deceit of Judas and letting Judas to do what he did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, so Judas is an interesting example when we get to talking about like uh, uh, demon possession because it says or talks about how Satan entered Judas, mm-hmm. and so Judas. <laughs> was the one who committed the acts. It was Judas' choice, Judas' will, but at the same time, it was Satan was at work in him as well. And so there's that element of um, both the spirit and uh, man both working in rebellion against God there. So that's kind of, that kind of leads us to demon possession, right? So 
we're going to talk about like what is it? What do we see in scripture when we get to this topic? What does it mean when the scripture talks about demon possession? What does it not mean? So the Greek word daimonizomai—that was my best guess—can uh, be broken into three parts. So uh, demon, right, which is the causative verb, and then passive, I think, meaning that the person is receiving or passively being uh, possessed, right, to the demon is uh, in control of that passive host. And that's um, something that has, is a key, kind of a key facet. And it kind of makes a difference between just being tormented, um, between that and being controlled in a sense. So let's look at some scriptures that talk about. So sometimes it will use that particular word. Sometimes it will say evil spirit, or there's many different um, ways that we see the, the actual word used, but then there's the context that of oftentimes tells us what's going on here. Yes? I have a question. Yes. This, maybe, this may sound really stupid, but what do you mean by like passive host? So it's, I'll take that back. So all I'm saying is that in the verb form of this, it's a passive verb instead of an active verb. Okay. So the person is not actively, it's, the, the form is saying grammatically, I am demonized instead of like demon grab, grabbing sense. So if it was, it was active versus passive, it's more of just a grammatical note that the way they're saying it, it's you're the one who is being acted upon okay. by the demon. Okay, thank you. That's probably a better way of saying it. Um, because we'll see that the, the people aren't necessarily totally passive, but they are the ones who are being acted upon from the outside by the demon. Other questions before we get into? We'll try, try and get a better grasp on but by looking at some passages. So let's look at Acts 19, 13 through 16. Okay. So this is the one. Why don't you read this one? This is the one we were talking about. Right. Acts 19, 13 through 16. But also some of the Jewish, ex Jewish exorcists who went from place to place attempted to name over those who had the evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, I adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. And the evil spirit answered and said to them, I recognize Jesus, and I know about Paul, but who are you? And the man in whom was the evil spirit leapt on them and subdued all of them and overpowered them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. So we see a couple things, right? We see that there was a one individual attempted to name over those who had the evil spirits. So this was something that they were doing multiple times. And in, in verse... Um, Verse 16, and the man, right, in whom had the evil spirit, in whom was the evil spirit, um, leapt on them, subdued them, and overpowered them. The, so there was at least seven, seven to one. So could be some, some, some strength there um, being, being given. And another thing I think sometimes that uh, Joshua and I were talking about this a little bit is that when you see uh, demon possession generally, um, the pattern is that it is along with a list of other ways in which people are being tormented or suffering in some way, shape, or form. So physical torment is a, is a key one. So uh, let's look at Luke 8, 27 
through 29. Abe, you want to get that one? And when he came out of the land, he was met by a man from the city who was possessed with demons, who had not put on any clothing for a long time, and was not living in a house, but in the tombs. Seeing Jesus, he cried out and fell before him, and said in a loud voice, What business do we have with each other, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for it had seized him many times, and he was bound with chains and shackles and kept under guard. And yet he would break his bonds and be driven by the demon into the desert. Yeah, so let's just isolate that passage for a second. What is it that we see the demon actively doing to the man? Or what was the man? What was the man? How, would, how, does, it, how does that passage describe the man? What's that? Seized him. Seized him. And once he was seized, what else? Let's see. Yeah, and I don't know that, right? Why do you think that he was bound with chains and shackles and kept under guard? That was probably not the demon that was doing those things. Yeah. Right? I think in the sense that he was living as an outcast. He was not wearing clothes. He didn't choose another house. He wasn't in appears to me that the demon chose to drive him out into the desert by himself rather than choosing to attack or, or harm other people. Yeah, we also see if we go back a little bit, right, um, as you said, he was, he was a man uh, from the city who was possessed by demons, but what is it, how does it describe him when he met him? We knew these things. He had what? Not, not put on any clothing for a long time. Mm-hmm. So that would kind of be part of that tormenting, right? Being in the elements, no clothing from heat, from the cold. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see he's not living in a house, but we're living where? Tombs. In the tombs, right? Totally I, driven out from human, other human yeah. c- contact. And so... Yeah, he was probably a danger to society. In terms of the, like... Yeah. Bound with chains and shackles and yeah. kept under guard. Might have been attacking people who are traveling and as a way of mitigating it. Mm-hmm. So he's in serious, um, serious torment in the sense of could be danger to himself, to others. Is uh, We see that when he sees him, he cries out, right? What business do we have with each other? I beg you what? Yeah, do not torment me. Mm. Okay, I beg you, do not torment me. And so there, you know, there, it's it's question whether or not, because it says he was met by a man, and then later it says, seeing Jesus, he cried out. So is it the man or is it the demon that's crying out? I beg you, do not torment me. But there is that, that clear sense that this man, possessed by the demon, was being physically tormented by it. Okay, and then we're getting to what, what Dave were talking about is this outward violence. So Matthew 8, 28. Let's see. Drew, you want to get that? When he came to the other side into the country of the Gatherness, two men who were demon-possessed met him as they were coming out of the tombs. 
They were so extremely violent that no one could pass by that way. Yeah. <laughs> so people, uh, I mean, people were avoiding them. We see that earlier the man was avoiding people. The demon was driving him out. So there's this, this uh, extreme violence. And then we see that they often cause the people to cry out. So Mark 1, 23. Just then there was a man in the synagogue with an unclean spirit, and he cried out. In Mark 5, 5, constantly, night and day, he was screaming among the tombs and in the mountains, gashing himself with stones. Okay. So there's, there's a couple more here, uh, but just pausing here. Um, does this seem like a uh, very commonplace? Like, it seems like very strange for, in our context to think about these kind of possessions. And so there's kind of a, I don't know if it's, whenever I see a commercial or uh, for a scary movie, it's almost always like demons are somehow possessing people. That seems to be the only context in which um, I'm just curious in books and conversations and pe- conversations with people of maybe different different backgrounds, different contexts. Do you ever have any kind of conversation about demons or, or demon possession? I, the one example I'm thinking of is that in, in college I used to have people would d- uh, address or attribute oftentimes sin in their life to that's the demon of this. Have you guys had any conversations or interactions with people with kind of similar, they see, they're seeing or they're explaining things with demon behavior? I hear more of Satan, like Satan mm-hmm. than a demon. Like as an explanation behind just this particular sin? Yeah, interaction. any kind of sin, like that's all Satan rather than us owning our own mm-hmm. wicked hearts. Mm-hmm. I don't know, this is just conjecture, but if we don't understand why people are doing something. In this day and age, it seems like we would more have a label of like a mental disorder mm-hmm. than go towards that terminology. Maybe mm-hmm. something that that was more prevalent mm-hmm. in that day mm-hmm. that they could identify and go, ah, that's yeah. what that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of the worldview right now. So true to everything, the biological. I don't know what they would match to today. Yeah. 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 Oh. So in my community college, there was this girl, and she said she had had like demonic oppression, but not like. And so she said like it would like tear stuff down on her wall sometimes, or like talk to her. Like, mm. do you think that that's real, or is she mm. just making that stuff up? Like, cause it was like some wild stuff. <laughs> so, de- well, demons are real. That's yeah. for that's for sure. Um, the the exact way in which yeah they torment people today. That's kind of a thing that we're trying to we know that biblically from that they would cause these type of things right mm-hmm. uh, loud cries possessing um, st- this supernatural strength tormenting and so that's always something that you it you don't want to just rule it out like it's impossible that it's not a demon um, but again you want to kind of care, look carefully into okay what are the behaviors why are they causing behaviors and I think one cause I just mentioned this is like when the question really for her would be okay what what are you doing about you know 
these issues. And because um, although we see Jesus and the uh, disciples interacting with demons, we don't really see any instructive um, guidance in terms of you should be casting out demons, you should be talking with demons, find out their name. There's all this ministry that they would call, um, what's the name of the... It's kind of like, yeah, doing, oh, there's a name, uh, something. Pallison used it a lot when I was listening to him. Talk. Liberation? Liberation type ministries, where it's like, mm-hmm. the goal of the ministry is to identify the demons and spiritual forces that are causing you to sin, tormenting you, and their whole goal is to interact with them as a source of, as a way of delivering you from sin, instead of coming to Christ, repenting, mm-hmm. seeking repentance from your sins, seeking the help of God. Yeah, I mean, the other thing, too, is you have schizophrenia. And I'm looking up the symptoms here. Okay. Uh, symptoms are delusions. These include uh, false beliefs are not based on reality, hallucinations. These usually involve seeing or hearing things that don't exist, disorganized thinking, mm-hmm. um, other negative symptoms. But, I mean, there probably is something to schizophrenia mm-hmm. where they start seeing things. I'm not sure if you saw the viral video of the woman who left the plane because she saw something that did not exist. Oh, yeah. I you know think what I'm saying? I, saw, I think I saw that. You know, and that's like, you know, the I'm premise the, of a horror movie. Yeah. You know, yeah, there's yeah. some lizard, lizard yeah. man in the back. What's yeah. going on? But, so I think you do have, like, schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. And, um, but, I mean, I think it's possible that there might be a supernatural element. Yeah. You know, so one or the other. And, yeah. and I, I think both are in play. So yeah. sometimes it's hard to know what's what. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, this this next one, um, E. Some, this has been maybe a couple times where I've thought uh, it talks about possessing supernatural knowledge, yeah. and so there's some people that make, uh, yeah, it's like either there's something going on with certain people in scenarios where we just don't understand, like there's a trick being played, or it could be demons that are giving them this knowledge that they could not know other, other yeah. than kind of an access to spiritual. Yeah. So like in Mark one twenty four. What business do we have with each other? Jesus of Nazareth, have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And then this one that, uh, Carson, that you mentioned, you want to read that, Acts 16. Uh, it happened that as we were going to the place of prayer, a slave girl having a spirit of divination met us, who was bringing her master such profit by fortune telling. Following after Paul and us, she kept crying out, saying, These men are bondservants of the Most High God. Who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so in a sense, right, it doesn't tell us exactly um, what that fortune telling was like. But it says, you know, she had this spirit, she was making them a lot of money through, mm-hmm. through using it somehow. And so whether there was some access to, you know, I know, you know telling them, I saw this happen, I saw that happen. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and there's even a time where um, God uses, so I believe it was Saul that seeks and the, the witch, witch of Endor. Witch of Endor. Yeah. And she consults the medium, right, and then brings up uh, Samuel. Samuel, mm-hmm. right? So it's a weird story. It is a very it's weird a very story. 
I came across somebody recently online. Was it the Witch of Endor? <laughs> <laughs> they made a video about how uh, how you should use your Bible for divination and witchcraft, and how bibliomancy is easy, and it's so great, and yeah, it was just yeah. a thing. Yeah, I mean, and it is. Um, there's there's the the story as well about you know Ahab and and God's sends forth the, the lying and deceiving spirits to all the false prophets mm-hmm. to deceive him and lead him into this. And so again, we see that, yeah, as there's many uh, opportunities throughout. And so we don't, I think one thing, as we kind of look at our conclusion as we reach the end, the, the difficult thing is that we, we want to stay um, balanced so that we don't get to where we say, it's just a physical world. There aren't any angels. There aren't any demons. Mm-hmm. Right? It's not real. And we don't want to say, you know, there's an angel on every shoulder protecting us, and there's a demon around every corner, and every sin that I commit <laughs> is this demon of lust and this demon of, you know, drunkenness, right? And so trying to look at Scripture in a balanced way and say, yeah. we do get a little bit of a peek into what demons can do and the role of angels. But really, like I said, the key character is God and his plan in redeeming man, okay? Um, one, one of the last things I want to just hit is this uh, point F. Physical maladies such as muteness, deafness, and seizures. So many times in the New Testament when you see um, Jesus doing just his ministry of healing, of relieving people of their physical suffering and maladies, uh, the demons or evil spirits is listed as one of those things. Mm-hmm. And so if we look at Mark 9, 17, and one of the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought you my son possessed with my spirit, with a spirit that makes him mute. Whenever it seizes him, it slams him on the, to the ground and foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and stiffens out. I told your disciples to cast it out, and they could not do it. When Jesus saw a crowd was rapid, rapidly gathering, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you deaf and you spirit, I command you come out of him and do not enter him again. And so for them, they made a correlation, like Eric, you're saying, like they correlated that it's this evil spirit that's causing these seizures, basically, mm-hmm. whereas today we say, oh, they have epilepsy. Um, and so, um, you know, there's a note there that if we see seizures today, we don't want to go back and say, oh, this every person with seizures has, has a demon. But in that case, there was an evil spirit that was, that was a part of that. And then if you look at Matthew 24, the news about him spread through all Syria. They brought to him all who were ill, those who were suffering with various diseases and pains, demoniacs, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. So there they listed separately. You've got demoniacs, right, possessed with demons, and then epileptics, paralytics, he healed them all. So I was just curious, is there any things that you see commonalities between, say, physical sufferings, diseases, deafness, muteness, and Mm -hmm. just the work of demons in our life? A quick question, just for clarification. Yes. So is this you highlighting the difference between possession and affliction? So I wouldn't make a a big deal about the distinction. I would say that um, demons are always seeking to to a lot of times do those particular activities, to torment us, to cause harm. Um, uh, demonized seems to describe people who were greatly under their control, tormented so greatly that they had almost, uh, 
um, very little power mm -hmm. uh, to resist that torment or to. Whereas if you see uh, Paul, he was tormented by a messenger of Satan, but was not under its under its control. I would say. And I guess I bring that out in the sense too that, you know, when you think about your, I don't know if this is a great analogy, but when you think about all the, the various diseases that people have, they often were to degrees to where sometimes people could live with their disease and suffer, but still kind of somewhat operate you know, through life. And some were so debilitated by that d disease and sickness that it almost hindered them from doing <coughs> anything else. And so there can be degrees to which you are tormented by disease and sickness. And I would think the, the scripture talks about that same, same idea that they're seeking to, to work torment, and, but it can be to varying degrees. So Scott, I have a question. Mm -hmm. We may answer this, but with all the acknowledgement that we do acknowledge that this is a thing, mm -hmm. what then is the proper course of action oh. if we unfortunately come across this in our life? And do we and just smash the elder button? <laughs> <laughs> okay. No. What do you mean you come, uh, let's go dig in. What do you mean you come across, come across it? I don't know. Let's say, uh, you know, you do, you come in contact with that individual and you can tell things are not right, whether it's, mm -hmm. you know, your internal... Yeah. Confession that is just like this is what on earth is going on. I mm -hmm. think this might be demon related. I have to acknowledge mm -hmm. this, and so then it's like, yeah. Well, th this is kind of where it's. I'm one of the most encouraged is that the solution. It's kind of like when we talk about what's in when you're listening to you know, are you saved and or do you think you're saved and you're not saved or you're not saved? Like, no matter what, you're too. Follow Jesus, right? Turn away from your sin and come mm -hmm. to Christ and seek Him. And so that's where the scriptures are all, uh, they instruct us never in terms of like performing this exorcism or finding out, asking the demon its name or, you know, doing any of that stuff, yeah. right? We're called to bring people to the gospel. And the, the power of Jesus through the gospel is what fills us, you know, with forgiveness, redeems us, and fills us with the Holy Spirit. And that kind of is getting towards that last point is that um, there are some that would maybe say that um, believers can be tormented or possessed by a demon. But scripturally, we'll see that you know, when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, that prevents you from being um, possessed or controlled by a demon. Right? We, yeah. did see, we do see an example where they may seek to influence or torment you in some way, as Paul had this messenger that would come and it was a real thorn in his side or a thorn in his flesh um, but they can never um, defeat that purpose and so mm -hmm. you can call the elder button but you can also <laughs> right you, you don't need to get in depth on what their sin is but what the solution is is Christ coming to Christ the work of Christ through the gospel the work of, the, of Christ on the cross and but I think it's true that in everybody's life the degree of sin that they're in, and it could be in this case whether they're being tormented by demons, it all varies from every individual to individual. And so all of us have varying degrees to which we have been involved in different sins that have footholds, strongholds in our life. And so when we're saved, the power of those things to control us is broken, but our sanctification is then continually growing in that walking mm -hmm. 
daily, you know, confessing our sins daily, that first John. You add anything? Yeah, I think you just need to be careful with diagnosing everything. Demon possession. I mean, it makes life more fun. <laughs> Spin the wheel. This is the demon on? Yeah, like, I was talking to this one guy. Went off the rails. Apparently his daughter was given the spiritual gift to see the unseen world. And so he was basically going around demon hunting mm. and binding demons. And I remember him just telling me all this stuff. He says, isn't this fun? Like, yeah, like he's on this transcendent mission, mm -hmm. taking on the supernatural forces of darkness. It's like yeah. he's this biblical superhero. Yeah. Yeah, with his daughter who clearly, like, yeah. needed some, some help. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I, and I think there is... Um, I believe in the supernatural, clearly, mm -hmm. obviously, mm -hmm. but there are some naturalistic explanations. So yeah. if somebody, you know, is, you know, let's say has schizophrenia because they've been smoking weed for a long time, you know, the, mm -hmm. what they need is not an exorcism, they need something else, yeah. you know? So you wanna make sure that you get yeah. the right diagnosis because that impacts mm -hmm. prognosis. But, but at the same time, I think it's really interesting that you have a lot of um, movies about demon possession that are out. Yeah. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it's good for this world to remember that there is a there is a darkness out there that's very real, mm -hmm. um, very evil, and very powerful. You mm -hmm. know, and and modern science and technology can't protect you from that. Yeah, you know, you have to go to the Lord. Yeah. I thought there was an interesting quote um, where uh, in in this series by is it like a two message series by Powell and he. Talked about Frank Peretti, who wrote the mm -hmm. This Present Darkness, Piercing the Darkness, and it's yeah. this whole, there's it, a lot of the book is this uh, battling between angels and demons, and he said, this is, it's just fiction. It's mm -hmm. fiction. It's not meant to describe the reality. It's, he's a fiction writer, and so he did give him a little bit of credit in saying it's, his goal was not to accurately describe what, what is going on. But uh, Let's read Matthew 12, and let's talk about this. Um, you know, can a Christian be demon possessed? We talked about a little bit already. Um, let's see. Eric, can you get that passage? You got the Matthew 12, 43 to 45. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places, seeking rest, but finds none. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house empty, swept and put in order. Then it goes and brings with it seven other spirits, more evil than itself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that person is worse than the first. So also will it be with this evil generation. Mm -hmm. And you'll notice, right, that in the middle there in verse 44, I'll return to my house from which I came, and when it comes, it finds it what? Clean, put in order, but also... Unoccupied, right? So let's look also at um, a couple other passages. So Second Thessalonians three three. But the Lord is faithful; He will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. And First John four four. You are from God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is He who is in you than He who is in the world. And James four seven. Submit therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And then 1 Peter 5, uh, 6 through 10. Gabe, you get that? Can you get that one? Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, 
that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Be of a sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. But resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Yeah, so let's say, um, let's kind of go to Carson, your scenario, and, and maybe you're talking about, let's say that this person is a, they claim to be a believer, and they're talking about, they're concerned about either demon possession or being uh, afflicted by demons. Is there anything in these passages or other passages that you would point them to, to like explain away whether or not that's possible? What do you think? First John four four. Uh -huh. the, you are from God, the little children have overcome them because greater is he who is in you. And we know as believers we're occupied by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yeah, so that's so one we're full. Yeah. Yeah, that's one kind of good picture to to show is that like it, this there's no room for an evil spirit to come come in if you're being filled, if you're possessed or in a sense by the Holy Spirit. And so um, but you see, you don't see anywhere in here believers being called to, you know, go and have your mm -hmm. the demons rebuked. Go to the elders to be uh, diagnosed of what demon is tormenting you. There's a call to repent of sin, to trust in Christ. You see in the First Peter passage, right? Be alert. The devil's prying around seeking to, someone to devour. But we're to resist him, firm in our faith, knowing that these are sufferings that are being suffered all across the world and that the God of grace will perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. So you have all the, these promises of what God will do to all those who are saved. So we'd say um, that's kind of our conclusion is that as believers, we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And so that um, he guards and he protects us, as he says in here. He'll perfect us, confirm us, strengthen, establish us um, from the work of demons. And I do think uh, a couple things that we talked about earlier we didn't hit on today as a conclusion. Um, if we look at the angels, um, whenever you see angels in the scriptures, they can be a real source of encouragement on what heaven might be like for us. Their sense of awe, their sense of reverence, their active role in worshiping God, um, the way in which they interact with God and with um, even the demons and with other men give us a sense in which those, those heavenly messengers are perfectly obeying. Um, the will of God. Um, let's see. I think it's, even when you look at all the work of Satan through Scripture, it's important. I don't know if I like the, 
the phrase, but uh, there's one that says that, you know, the devil is God's devil in a sense that he's totally under control of God. He's made by God and he is only allowed to do the bidding of God. And so whether it's angels or demons, we know that they fall under God's sovereign control and created order. Okay. So next week, where are we on next week? Do we know? Is that you? Is that you? I'm up for the church. Yep. Church. Okay. All right. Sounds great. Well, let's pray. Father, when every once in a while in the scripture, although it is not central, when we see angels and we see Satan and we see demons at work, I pray that you would just give us insight into what is the way in which uh, they are serving to bring you greater glory? What is the way that you're using angels and demons to accomplish your great plan. You have uh, great and wonderful and mighty plans and you those plans involve redeeming lost and condemned and wicked and evil men and women and redeeming them and saving them and bringing them into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of your son. And so I pray that uh, we would be encouraged and that we would just be um, in awe as we look at the role of angels and demons, and I pray that also you would just help us as we look in the next few weeks to look at the church and to see what a glorious, glorious thing the church is, what it means to be a part of the church, and how much you love the church. I pray that you would be with us this morning and just fill us with a glory, your glory, and in all of you. In Jesus' name, amen.